Let us pray. O Lord Jesus, by your power you restored hearing and speech to the man who is deaf and mute. Thank you for bringing your perfect design back to your creation. We are broken by sin, both what we have inherited and what we have committed. Restore to us perfect life in your own resurrected life, and do all things well through us, your servants. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is from the Gospel according to St. Mark, the 7th chapter, beginning at the 31st verse. Please rise again for verse 34. Then looking up to heaven, Jesus sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. How frustrating to be unable to communicate. This man who is deaf and mute when Jesus meets him had some friends, some people who knew him, but there was a great blockage in his communication. Perhaps he could sign or write, as Zacharias did, while his wife Elizabeth was pregnant with John, but this was a far more inconvenient way to communicate the thoughts of the heart. Those who have suffered strokes will sometimes describe it in a a way something like this, that they still have clear thoughts in their heads, but there's a blockage, there's something preventing them from communicating it. And seeing someone like this, most people are tempted to think of someone like this deaf, mute man as stupid or slow. Those who have autism are sometimes viewed in the same way, or someone who speaks a foreign language is viewed the same way. Because there's a blockage, a barrier to quick and clear communication, the perception of the individual is lowered in value. All such blockages are due to sin. After the fall into sin, there was a barrier between man and God. God drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Even through God's minister, Moses, a barrier had to be placed because it was so glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance. But here see how Jesus opens what sin has closed. In opening up the impediment, Jesus is restoring creation. In his death, the veil of the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And now, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. When God made the whole world, capping his creation with the marriage of man and woman, he saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. But you know how this creation was broken. Eve was tempted by the serpents to eat the fruit of the tree of which God had said, You shall not eat of it. And she gave some to her husband, who stood by with her, And he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Interesting that this fall is also described in terms of opening. But in this opening, they had to hide. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Later, God would give them better coverings by the slaughter of one of his creatures, giving them skins to wear. 
And now, with these opened eyes, when you look at creation around you, two conflicting opinions can be present in your mind at the same time. First, what a beautiful, wondrous place this world is. Everything in a perfect order with gorgeous patterns and exciting design. And second, what a disgusting, broken, corrupted place filled with death this is. Everything driving to destroy and consume, to harm and kill. I love going camping, being in the midst of God's creation, admiring the scenery, listening to nature. But I quickly wish to hide from it at the first bite of a mosquito. This is the conflicting nature of each Christian as well. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Like this man who was deaf and mute, inwardly he certainly had clear thoughts, but outwardly he was incapable. Creation itself is still very good insofar as God does the creation, but sin has broken it. It's made cracks, breaking the spokes off of this perfect wheel, tearing gashes in God's wonderful tapestry. Jesus has come to restore this creation. At Jesus' touch and Jesus' word, this man's ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. This restoration of the function of a man's body is joined to the restoration of creation in general in a prophecy from, uh, from Isaiah God will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. All this is fulfilled in Jesus. He hasn't promised you only the hope of another life that will transcend this one, refine it, give it a meaning, and betray it. He has redeemed this life, your body, and given it great value and worth. You have been, after all, redeemed not with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus, the Son of God, who took up human flesh just like yours, has paid with that flesh and blood for your life. Like the skin of the animal that became the better covering for Adam and Eve's nakedness, Jesus' body is a covering for you so that you need not be ashamed of your nakedness any longer. The Bible describes the way Adam and Eve lived after their marriage, before the fall, in a way that makes young couples blush. It says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And this is a picture not only of the blessing of marriage, but also of the creation that was perfect before sin came in to break it. A perfect unity without selfishness or greed or abuse was there. But when their eyes were opened by sin, their nakedness became shameful because all these things were introduced and perfect love was lost. We must fear to stand exposed before the Almighty God because His wrath would destroy us in our sin. The book of Revelation describes the way all people respond to the coming wrath of God when it is being revealed, saying, The sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. 
And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? But in the covering of Jesus' righteousness, this need not make you fear. Instead, when these things begin to happen, look up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is near. The friends of this deaf, mute man did right by not fleeing from Jesus, but by running to meet him. They knew in him was the possibility of restoration. Perhaps they only understood him to be a miracle worker. We can't know their faith or the status of their hearts. But they knew at least to go to Jesus. And there with Jesus, he provides restoration by his physical touch uniting men to his own death and resurrection. And look close at how Jesus was giving personal touch. Whereas many other miracles were done publicly before great crowds, a handful were done in private. For example, the raising of Jairus' daughter and a healing of Peter's mother-in-law. But here, the detail with which the evangelist records the personal touch of the miracle is striking. Jesus took the man aside, keeping everyone else away, so that he was alone with him. Strange actions accompanied the miracle. Fingers in the ears, spitting, touching the tongue, looking up to heaven, sighing, and finally an Aramaic word which accomplished the miracle. God took six days to create the universe. It's common nowadays in the secular world to believe and teach that it took much, much longer than this on the scale of billions upon billions of years. But I want you to think in the other direction. When God does the work, does he need to take the length of even six days? Couldn't he have put all things in order in this whole creation in the space of a millisecond? Well, certainly he could have. But he chose to take six days. With the miracle of healing the deaf mute, couldn't Jesus simply have put his hand on him as the crowds were asking him to? Or couldn't he have simply spoken a word from a great distance as he did to heal the centurion's servant? Certainly he could have, but he chose to add this personal touch. Remember, this man who could either barely or not at all communicate his thoughts must have been perceived as less than intelligent by those around him. We know from our own world how those who have such impediments are treated whether it's a physical disability, mental disability, or even simply being a non-native speaker of our own language. But Jesus doesn't dismiss this man in a simplistic way. He sees him as human and as being worthy of hearing the word. Jesus preached a quiet sermon to this audience of one. Sign language, even simplistic sign language, such as Jesus did here, is language. And the word can have power even through such things. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears, touching the man and saying, there is something that has closed your ears. I have come to open them. Jesus spat and touched his tongue and so said, there is something weighing down your tongue. I have come to loose it. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed a prayer in the heart like those through which the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And finally, Jesus spoke a word, By his word, he made all things. By his word, he commanded its restoration. Recognize now both in you and around you those things which are wrong. The ear was made to hear. The tongue was made to speak. The eye was made 
to see. The hand was made to handle. The foot was made to walk. When these things or any other cease or slow their desired function, that demonstrates the destruction of sin. You are right when you notice these things to beg God to remove the blockages. You are always right to pray that God would provide healing for those who are sick, injured, or hospitalized. We are right to pray that God would keep death away from those on their deathbed. We are right to pray that God would turn aside natural disasters, war, plague, or famine. Whatever impediment touches your life, you are right to pray that God would remove it. And when he does remove it, rejoice at the personal touch he's given you. And look for the personal touch that he still gives you. It is his design for your life that he brings about. And he wants you to have life, of course, and not death. And therefore, he gives you life through the personal touch that he provides, through the touch of water on your skin. He adopts you, joining you to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Through the touch of Jesus' flesh and blood on your tongue, he loosens it for praise both now and into eternity. Through the word by which he created the world, he rejuvenates your heart, causing springs of water to burst forth in the desert of sin. At the time of this miracle, Jesus commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. They disobeyed his word, sinning against his command. He preached truly and honestly, but through the stubborn resistance and disobedience of his enemies, and even of those who perhaps meant well, his message was misinterpreted, and in many ways deliberately misinterpreted, so that he could be put to death. In the qualifications for pastors, the Bible lists among those that they should not be a novice for precisely the same purpose, that misunderstandings can be avoided. But with how widely this message of Jesus' miracle was proclaimed, although it was contrary to his command, God made use of it. First, this would have led to his death. As Jesus' popularity as a miracle worker grew, his political and spiritual enemies grew in opposition until they sent him to the cross. And therefore, in this way, by disobeying Jesus, these people by the Sea of Galilee caused his death. But further, this truth can be established so that God could cause the word to be preached deliberately and by his design to build a better foundation on these things that they had heard. Many in this region would later come to faith in the resurrected Christ. And many in this region would also later stand opposed to the truth. Therefore, those who believed him were persecuted by those who did not. And so Jesus' word was fulfilled. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And Jesus does come to you in whatever your difficulty, whatever your blockage, whatever your inability. He heals you and he restores his creation by his personal touch. You know that on the last day all this will be accomplished when you rise with incorruptible, perfect bodies. But even now, even while you have these things that torment you, this is your life which Jesus has purchased. And his touch is still given to you. He may not immediately remove the impediment, but he does love you in your impediments. He still speaks to you. And he still hears you. And you are of great worth to him. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.